This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Tonight, 7 o'clock in Chicago, it'll be Duke and Michigan State at the beginning of the season. I think this was a top four matchup, but Duke was like two, Michigan State was like four. I don't know. I mean, I don't pay that much attention to preseason basketball rankings because even during the season, the basketball rankings don't mean as much because we play so many games with so much fluctuation. But we do have four ranked teams, and it should be fun at the Champions Classic. Gary Parrish, CBSSports.com, Ion College Basketball Podcast, joins us now. Uh, This is obviously a great event, but I want to go back to Friday night and try to apply what we saw when Duke took on Arizona to tonight. Duke could not get a rebound, it seemed, in the first half. Is that going to be as big a deal tonight as it was on Friday? I don't think so, if only because, like you said, it was really bad Friday, and I think some of that had to do with Arizona's front court. Um, as much as it had to do with any issues Duke might have going forward. So, listen, I know, and just, uh, you know, for the record, you had it right. Uh, Michigan State and Duke were both in the top five of the preseason AP poll, Duke 2, Michigan State 4. And I know when you're ranked second in the country with an incredible recruiting class and a lot of great five-star prospects back from last season, you don't want to lose a game at home. Right. And, and, and that's... But they, it was tied with 47 seconds left. Yeah. That is the classic example of a game that could have gone either way. And in the last 50 seconds, Arizona made more plays than you. But for the previous 39 minutes, it was basically an even basketball game, despite uh, Duke's struggles on the board. So I'm not ready to, to panic about Duke or even be too concerned or change my long-term um, predictions for this team or John Shire, but I will tell you, and you know this better than I, given where you're located, if you now lose again um, uh, you know, to a Michigan State team that just lost to a mid-major, and you're sitting here at two losses eight days into the season after you know not doing everything you were supposed to do last season, that is the type of thing where you know I bet you tomorrow throughout the state of North Carolina – People will be, you know, talking about John Shire in whatever way they'll talk about him. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that that will happen, especially here. Uh, you're right about that. Gary Parrish, CBS here, is joining us on the Adam Gold Show. Um, but uh, what it would really do, it would make it harder to be a one seed if you lose those two games because these two teams, Arizona and Michigan State, both figure to be in that mix unless their seasons go uh, sideways, they will both figure to be in that mix. And while it's not a tiebreaker, uh, it certainly would benefit them to have the wins over Duke, especially Arizona winning here. Now, that that particular issue intrigues me because this is not a game that Mike Krzyzewski would have scheduled. Right. This is John Shire doing something uh, departing from the ways of his former coach. Kay wasn't a- averse to playing these games he just wasn't going to go to your place, so let's take this game to a neutral neutral site. But John and uh, and Arizona, they decided to let's do it. Let's play a home and home. This is great. It's you know it's great. It's great for the fans who get a chance to see these games. There's no question. And you just turn on the television last Friday night, and it you know they've been good games 
other places, you know, South Dakota, Las Vegas, but they don't look the way it looks when you're in a true home road environment. And Cameron looked amazing last yeah. Friday night. And most of these other places, um, you know, when you start talking about neutral site matchups, even between prominent, like the United Center will not tonight look anything close nope. to what even Purdue looked like last night when Purdue was playing an, an, an overmatched opponent. So I love that John is willing to do this. Um, I had talked to him about it in advance of him taking over the program full-time from Kay. He already knew he was going to be the head coach, but we were still in Kay's last year. And <laughs> he was just sort of, you know, I could tell by the way he was talking, he was interested in, in doing this and understood, properly understood what it means to take the Duke Blue Devils to another campus or what it means for another program to come to Duke's campus. Like way back in a previous life, I was a newspaper beat writer for the University of Memphis at the Commercial Appeal. Right. And I can still remember my last year on the beat, Memphis played Duke in the preseason NIT or one of those events at Madison Square Garden. And that was a big deal. Not that Memphis was playing for a championship in November, the day after Thanksgiving, but that Memphis was playing Duke inside the garden. Yeah. And I think John understands that, that that means something. And I hope that what happened last Friday night doesn't move him off of this. We need more coaches throughout the sport, particularly coaches of big brands, agreeing yep. to do what Tommy and John agreed to do last week. We don't need fewer of them being open to the risk that comes with it. Because ultimately, like you said, especially if Duke loses tonight, it does become harder to get a one seed. But the season is so long, yeah. and there's so many opportunities for you to get quality wins. There's really not much that can happen in the first eight days of a season that's going to that's gonna set you back too far. You mentioned Tommy Lloyd, uh, the head coach at Arizona, and his in-game um, interview, he talked about just how cool it was. Like, he referenced that a few times, about what a great, uh, how honored he was to be able to bring his team here. Uh, and we and you know McHale Center is a great setting for college basketball as well. And John Shire will bring next year's team, uh, however many five stars are on it. We'll get to that in a second. He'll bring them out there, and it's going to be great. Real quick about uh, John Shire's. Uh, I guess he's not going to have any problem recruiting, huh? It doesn't look like it. Um, he's he's just he's a really smart. You know him. Yeah. he's a smart guy, and he understands. He like he doesn't shy away from the name, image, and likeness space. Like, you know, he went out and made a hire to try to make sure Duke is best positioned in that space. And what you're finding out is the coaches who embraced it quickly are flourishing now. And the ones who, you know, for lack of a better word, sit around and just complained about it and moaned about it, well, they're the ones getting getting left behind. Um, you can argue that recruit, recruiting looks no different under John Shire and might even be better. <laughs> But but ultimately, you know, this is a results-given sport, yep. a results-driven sport, rather. And like I, I know that they were disappointing last year relative to expectations, but some of that's easy to explain. It was injuries and your, you know, most heralded freshman, you know, never really became what anybody thought he was going to be, although he was still a you know, obvious first-round draft pick. So I think that's easy to explain away. And they did get really good before they got eliminated in the NCAA tournament. But you don't want to be replacing a legend and have two losses this quickly in your second season 
after having a relatively, you know, speaking, a disappointing season in year one, because then people start asking big questions about you. Like, you know, Josh Pastner was a first-time head coach at Memphis after replacing John Calipari and recruited really well. But when the results didn't match the recruiting rankings, it it really created problems for him. And so what you hope if you're John, and what I hope for John, is that he never gets to that place, that he wins enough to where people – Never wonder, is this guy just a recruiter who struggles to do the job on game day or not? Gary Parrish, CBSSports.com, Ion College Basketball Podcast, joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. Uh, Kentucky and Kansas is the nightcap right after they have the fake college basketball, college football ranking show, uh, which is unfortunate. They should just be talking about basketball throughout the entire experience, but that's not the way the world works. Right. Um is John Calipari feeling some heat at Kentucky? Yes. Um, I don't know if it's real job pressure, like Brad Brunell might feel at Clemson or right. Jared Haas might feel at Stanford, but he is under an incredible amount of fan pressure because for all of the recruits that he's enrolled and NBA players he's helped develop, you know, over the past eight seasons, the results just aren't there. Zero Final Four since 2015. Right. He's now gone eight straight years without coaching in a Final Four. Never in his college coaching career had he ever gone eight years without making a Final Four. Didn't happen at UMass, didn't happen at Memphis, had never happened at Kentucky until now. And it doesn't help him, although these things aren't directly tied together. But like when you are facing this type of criticism, everything just gets stacked on top of each other. Like when Tyrese Maxey goes out and gets 50 in an <laughs> NBA game, people go, my God, what? Why do we keep watching Jamal Murray win an NBA Finals and Tyrese Maxey go from 50? And all these guys have come through our program, and we haven't done with them what, you know, common sense suggests we should have done with them. So if this season doesn't go well, I mean, if it's a disaster, I do think they would pay whatever they have to pay to make a coaching change. You saw what had just happened at Texas A&M. I'm not right. ruling that out at Kentucky. But what's interesting about this, and I'm not predicting this, I think Kansas wins tonight. But John Calipari could be a guy who's facing all sorts of fan criticism and 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 questions about his future. If they just win a forty-minute game tonight, they could reasonably be ranked number one in the country. <laughs> you know, because uh, uh, you know, because then, then it's easy to just switch the narrative. Right. Well, God, they got you know two projected lottery picks, mm-hmm. two other projected first-round picks, the number one recruiting class in the country. Of course, they're good. Like he can flip the whole thing tonight. Maybe not permanently, but but at least t- temporarily. But the, I, I don't think there's any doubt the most, or at least among the most fascinating stories in college basketball this season, it is the story at Kentucky because, once again, he's got arguably, just in terms of pure talent, maybe the most talented roster in the country, but you, at this point, got to have the results to back it up. Kentucky fans are done celebrating lottery picks. They don't care that John Calipari right. has coached a bunch of players who now have contracts worth billions of dollars. They want Final Four banners. They want another national championship. But if they don't get it, that's a problem for him. I said this a long time ago that the way Kentucky basketball fan works is not unlike the way Carolina fan works uh, and the way Duke fan works. I think it's a little bit more extreme, but not completely dissimilar, is that when you get so many great recruits and you have, and they haven't even had great regular seasons of late, which probably adds to it, uh, is that at some point, they're not going to be happy with Sweet 16s and Elite 8 appearances. They want the whole thing, and I understand it. Um, but it, it has been a while, 
And I, man, Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Financial advice industry can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Is there a way to be sure you're getting the best service when you don't know? Yeah, Adam, it's not just if you gave the money to a planning team and they did good the first year. I mean, anyone could do good for one year, but it's a track record and it's a long-term accounts that are very important. We call that a financial fill-up strategy, Adam, and that gives you lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll put together for you, the listener, your very own total retirement plan if you call right now. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. It, it's hard. It, it Doesn't it speak to the fact that one-and-done players, one-year players, it's not. It, it's just another way of doing it. It doesn't give you an advantage. Talent's great, but sometimes what Tennessee's got or what some of these other schools have in terms of older players who have been around, maybe that's the better way to do it. I think it is now. That's And you've touched on it. This is the biggest thing that has affected or impacted John Calipari. People like to say things like, well, maybe he's lost it. I think that's less true than this. The sport has changed dramatically, and he's still operating largely the same way he's operated since he got to Kentucky, which is being heavily reliant on freshmen. And once upon a time, like you could do that. And every time Kentucky would enroll the top recruiting class in the country, they would be preseason number one or preseason number three, always in the top five. They were 16th in the AP poll. This, this preseason, with the number one recruiting class in the country. That has never even come close <laughs> to happening to John Calipari at Kentucky. But I think people have now, I think, realized you're way better off having talented 22-year-olds and 23-year-olds mm-hmm. instead of even more talented 18-year-olds. Like, you, you still got to have talent, but – Every team in the country can go out and remake their roster every offseason yes. with grad transfers and junior transfers and senior transfers. And look at Memphis. I'd you mention them. Went up one at Missouri last Friday night by 15 points. Right. Impressive performance. Memphis's top five scores are all 22 or older. They have two former McDonald's All-Americans who will be 24 and 25 years old on Selection Sunday in Jordan Brown and Javon Quinterly. I'm not telling you Memphis is better than Kentucky, but I'm telling you it is much easier to win with a bunch of talented older guys than it is to win with a bunch of 18-year-olds, even if the 18-year-olds are more talented than the older guys. Perhaps John Calipari flips that um, on its head this season, but the reason folks are skeptical of Kentucky is that it's been a long time you know, in basketball terms, since a team this heavily reliant on freshmen was able to go out and, and really operate at the tip top of the sport. Gary Parrish, you're the best, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the ball tonight and uh, turn it off during the fake football selection show. That's a deal. You got a promise. I appreciate you having me, buddy. You got it, man. Gary Parrish here on from CBSSports.com. Eye on College Basketball Podcast, which not only is great uh, if you're into college hoops, a great podcast, it has the best producer ever in the history of podcasts. You know who produces the uh, podcast? No. Nada. Our friend, <gasps> yes, our friend, Kanata Edwards. I love Nada. Uh, he is the man. Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more 
at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice.